I'm Lindsay Curtis, and this is Her Return, a podcast devoted to women making the journey of returning home to their divinely human feminine essence. Each episode is an opening up of a real life topic with experiential techniques and tools to support you on your journey home. Hello, beautiful, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is such a delicious one, and I'm so excited for you to receive it. I have the absolute honor and pleasure of welcoming Aurelie Descoutet onto this episode, and it is so good. So Aurelie is amazing. She's an osteopath and a medicine woman in her own right. She started out her career as a cranial osteopath for babies over 20 years ago, and her practice has been shifting to supporting women in embodying themselves within their pelvis and through working with the fascia and muscles vaginally. She also leads women's circles with her blood sister for the last decade, training other circle leaders, teaching online programs, all about retaking ownership of vulva, vagina, and womb outside and beyond patriarchy and the medical model. In addition to this and so much more, she's also a mother of two, loves resting as a spiritual practice, and gardening. Have a listen and enjoy. Welcome, 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 Aurelie. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be with you. Mm, fantastic. We have a wonderful program today, all devoted to um, the pelvic medicine of women and and everything that is here. So I'm really, really, really excited to bring you on and have you as our, um, I want to say like, specializing expert in, in pelvic medicine, because that's how I experience your hands and your sensitivity. And yes, I'm excited to, to talk about this today with a more conscious conversation because I've experienced your work and I'm like, let's, let's go into it. Whoa. Yeah. I'm so happy to be able to share that with uh, a broader, you know, the one-to-one is great and it's so important, but also having a broader um, like people who can listen from different parts of the world and even listening can be really helpful and really healing. You don't have always to have the hands-on. You can also really integrate it in another way. So, yeah. Definitely. And what I love so much about the podcast is it's throughout time and space and people can yeah. drop into this whenever, wherever, and yeah. it's just here. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. So, Let's just, um, I love to always start with an orientation for our guests and everyone, every beautiful woman I invite on the podcast to get to know a little bit about you by telling us about little girl or and maybe what, what was your experience of yourself as a young one that has led and guided you into the magical work you're doing today? Oh. That's a super interesting question. Um, so I was brought up in Belgium, uh, in a pretty privileged background, uh, but I felt really lost. I felt really insecure, and I and 
the world didn't make a lot of sense to me. And I didn't understand that, um, that I was, uh, that it was the world that wasn't, I thought I wasn't working. I thought I was the one who was doing it wrong mm. and that, uh, I had to adapt constantly to everything. Mm. Um, and so I also come from a background where the body is really not important. Like there's no, uh, kind of attention to the body where there is this a sense of making it beautiful in some families that is a very important thing in my family it wasn't important and it's not important to take care of it uh the body is not something that's even noticed in the background i'm coming from mm. and so i think from a very early age i was very much disconnected from myself as well mm. uh, whether it is because of our you know what society tells a woman to look like, should be like, should behave like, and that I wasn't feeling like I could be that, whether it is because uh, I had no sense of uh, boundary, no sense of me as a physical body. It was very confusing. Uh, and now, so I guess that's the first thing I would say about, about my uh, experience as a child is the confusion, a, a really big sense of confusion. Yeah, and just thinking about it, I can really feel it. And uh, it was very uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. Just, so I, so you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and just naming that, like the quality of confusion as I experience confusion, I'm up in my head. And that's Whoa. exactly the illustration of this disconnect from the body as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and trying to make sense, trying mm -hmm. to connect the dots with my head, but not actually understanding that parts of the responses were in my body. Mm -hmm. And that um, using my body as an object, using my body as an external thing that I had to constantly model to make sure that I was part of something, uh, to make sure that I was, uh, you know, uh, thin enough and that I was... Uh, you know, fitting all the standards that um, society had put me on. Yeah, mm. society put me on. Yeah. Well, anyways, my English is sometimes a little bit weird, but yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> mm. oh, okay. And yes, how we can all relate to aspects of this very articulated experience. And so when did you begin to explore the medicine? for this when did it come um, to you yeah um so when i was 16 i left and i went to live in india on my own um so yeah. i yeah <laughs> i got a scholarship from uh uh something that's called united world colleges and i went and uh i uh, was sent to india in a in a really beautiful uh, college there with people from all over the world. But the fact that I was derooted so fundamentally actually got me spinning even more into that disconnection. And India is a very, very intense place. And I, part of the reason why I was so disconnected is the fact that I'm so sensitive, that my body is so sensitive, that so sensitive. And so 
being in India, disconnected from everything I knew, I just went uh, into a really big anxiety crisis for a long time, not understanding what was going on. And I was 16 on my own, and I thought I was I was going crazy. I really thought that this was like, um, yeah, that I, I, I just couldn't make sense of anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was sent back home. Uh, and uh, I went to see all kinds of therapists and nothing could alleviate the suffering and nothing could alleviate the sensation of uh, insecurity that I was feeling. Um, and it took a while like to just uh, to just kind of calm down and I don't know how somehow I... I got back into myself, into that sensation of, oh, it's okay, I can go back. So I went back to India. And when I was in India, yeah, so I took a month off from school and I went back to India. And when I was in India, I started um, doing yoga and I started doing uh, like massage. So I was giving massage. So I wasn't uh, receiving massage, but I was giving massage to my friends, actually, to to the women who were like my roommates and my friends. I was just giving massage. And every time I was giving a massage, people were giving me such a good feedback. I thought, oh, you know, this is something that's interesting. And they were like, oh, yeah, you're doing that really well. How do you feel where the nuts are? I don't understand. Like, how come you understand my body? You know, and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's natural. And also the yoga was uh, just the breathing and just being with myself was um yeah, it was it was soothing. So little by little, I got back into that, and then I realized, okay, I have to do something. I knew from the very beginning. I knew from when I was very early, at a very early age, that I wanted to become a doctor. I knew mm-hmm. that there was something like that. It was this calling, you know, that I felt. Um, but when I got back to Belgium, I was like, oh, medicine is not really what I want because in India I had, I had like seen so many definitive medicine and I had been treated with Ayurveda and I was like really into alternative medicine. And so I was like, well, medicine is really going to take me away from all that. So I'm not going to go into that. And so I decided to go into osteopathy and, uh, I loved learning about the body. I just loved, and again, it was the brain thing, you know, but I just felt like it was so interesting and so much like beauty in everything I was learning, you mm-hmm. know, learning about the inner ear and learning how all these little bones are joining together and the like architecture in the body was so wonderful. It was like, for me, that was the closest to the divine and the closest to God that I could be you know like seeing that seeing how this liver which is this tiny thing in your body actually is doing the work of like an entire big machine and it just fits into that tiny thing and everything was so perfect and i felt like oh my god you know i have to take care of that i have to take care of that in myself because i see that as amazing like architecture is so amazing i have to take care of that in myself and I have to make sure that I dedicate my life to t- taking care of that in others as well, you know, to this. Because it's not only just the anatomy and the physiology. 
it's just the, the way that the body always wants to go towards healing, always wants to go towards vitality. And for me, that was like such a, yeah, it was so beautiful. So uh, I really felt held in studying with this, with this vision. But the downside of the studying within any medical field, I think, and I'm not sure, but I can only speak for myself and for the people that I've met, is that you're disconnecting even more from your body. Mm. Yeah. Because um, you have this idea of what you're going to be doing and helping people and everything, but the actual process of going through the studying is really, really awful. I mean, it was for me because we treated each other. So we worked on each other as uh, like as, as training osteopaths. But we're other's bodies like pieces of meat we didn't have any respect at all yeah and um mm -hmm. so that the, the the disconnect and the lack of respect was so so abysmal for me that it was really really a hard time that i had to go through because i disconnected even more from mm -hmm. my body and i couldn't really reconnect so easily mm -hmm. um yeah so that was hard mm -hmm. When, um, and then I started working with babies and that is when I realized that, um, like I couldn't, I couldn't do that to babies. I couldn't just treat them like pieces of meat or not have that respect for them. And people couldn't do that to them either. So, uh, it was this really pristine, uh, start of life that was so Yes, so full of vitality, full of life, full of energy that we have to treat it for the so for what it is really. Mm. And, uh, so um, I worked as a cranial osteopath for babies for a really long time. Mm. And uh, for someone yeah, that um, doesn't actually know what a cranial osteopath is, because I'm it's. It's amazing to me how many people actually have never heard of it and and aren't aware. Can you give us just a little bit more information about that? Mm -hmm. So um, I know that in the U.S. osteopathy is medical. In Europe, osteopathy is not so much medical. It's not something that you do as a medical doctor. You do that um, as a body worker. Mm -hmm. So... Um, the field of osteopathy is mainly to make sure that there's no restriction of mobility in, in the body because we believe that um, the, the structure will guide the function. And if the structure is not actually um, working, if there's the articulation between, you know, two bones, uh, but also between two visceras are, is not working perfectly well, if it's not fluid and if it's if it doesn't have that quality of movement then the function will be yes um, problematic and so the idea is really to to see how we can restore the mobility in the body but it can be as minute uh, as cranial plates and it can be as big as joints so um, the cranial plates have a specific um, thing going on is the fact that the, you have the cranial plates and then underneath you have these membranes and between these membranes you have this 
uh, cerebral spinal fluid that's going to um, go throughout all your body to, and just give nourishment to all your nerves as well. And so we work with these things when we work as cranial osteopaths, we work with the cranial plates mobility, we work with the membranous and the membranous um, uh, sheath underneath. And then we work with all this mobility of the fluids and we call that primal respiration. So that is really what we do is just um, listening to the vitality in the body and trying to um, give it more air, give it more space, give it more breathing. Um, yeah, so, uh, and in babies, it's really interesting because of the fact that they have so much compression when they're being born um, on their little heads. The cranial plates, you can really feel the dysfunction. You can really feel like, oh, okay, this temporal bone is a little, uh, doesn't really move uh, as much as it should. And then you can see, ah, uh, this temporal bone not moving as much as it, as it should, could in the long term lead to otitis media. So we treat it directly. Uh, and so, Cranial osteopaths for babies are really uh, looked for, at least in Europe now, to make sure that all these little plates are working well so that we don't experience long-term problems, like mm -hmm. health problems. Right. And so there's a big aspect here, what I'm receiving, of preventative medicine. Yes, very mm -hmm. much so. Yeah, we're, we're in functional medicine, so we're not in the like pathological mm -hmm. problems. You know, we really keep... Um, like this is the scope of what we're doing is not within pathology. Although we can be working within a pathology, we'll do some, we'll help, but, but we're not going to be curing a pathology. We're there before the pathology starts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that precision. And also just feel so called to presence the um, when I was listening to you speak before about the architecture of the body and what you're receiving in your studies, the love that I feel vibrating and this like deep, deep, deep respect of the intelligent design of our bodies that is just incredible. Um, that's what I receive from you speaking. Yeah. Name that. Okay. So now we know, um, and, and so we're back with you as a cranial sacral therapist for babies and? And, yeah. <laughs> um, but working with babies, obviously, you work with the mother. And um, so I started working a lot with mothers and during their pregnancies. And um, that, that opened up the door um, for me to work with some osteopaths here in Belgium first that we're working also intravaginally and uh, intra-anally to release the, the tissues in the, in the pelvic floor and in the pelvis in general. And the results were so astonishing. And um, I, was, I was like, wow, okay. So these tissues that have never been touched, that we touch once, are actually really having an impact on low back pain and on, you know, like all these things that people were coming with. And then we we would work a couple of times in intravaginally and then, oh, wow, you know, they would do so much better. Whereas we had been working like 10 sessions on low backs and, you know, knees and this and that. And then, you know, you have this uh, dramatic shift. And so that was like, wow, okay, that's super interesting. I started 
like trying to understand all this connection. But at the end, I was in a relationship um, with a man who was from Spain. And so I decided to move to Spain. So anyway, so, uh, and then we decided to just travel the world. So we started traveling around the world and um, ended up uh, working in different uh, places uh, in the world. And I, at the that in Mexico. Mm. So, um, and uh, by that time, we broke up. And um, I was in Mexico on my own. And ha I had started working in like a few weeks previously in that little Casa de Parto, a birth house with traditional midwives. Mm. And uh, so I was there on my own. And now, um, I went to see the midwife and I told her, look, you know, I am going back to Europe because, uh, you know, I broke up with my partner. And she's like, no, you're not. You're staying here. <laughs> you're, not, you're not going back until you healed. So we're mm -hmm. going to heal your heart and then heal your body. We're just going to do that all together. And you're staying here, right here with me. And so um, I moved in with these amazing women. We were a group of women and it was like having a women's circle all day and night and Every, we were working together, we would live together, we would eat together, we would like do all this moon ceremonies and, you know, ceremonies with our moon bloods. And it was just like really intense work for me to be with uh, this woman learning about, sorry, learning about feminism, learning about, you know, um, being in your body, learning about uh, working with w women who were uh, laboring, working with babies who were just being born. It was like, amazing wow yeah so that was a very special special time and at that point i realized and i remember walking on the street with a friend and telling her you know the thing that i'm the most interested in is well women care like you know working with women who are not you know in birth process or anything but just working internally with them that there's something there that's like really specific mm. And uh, so I started researching and I found some other people who, you know, who I could study with. And so I went to study with them, with them in the long term. Like after that, I came back to Europe and uh, I studied with uh, another osteopath midwife in, in Spain, in France. And then I studied also with Tamilin Kent in the U.S. And uh, so I trained little by little on how to work with this amazing uh, pelvis and how to listen to it and how to um, listen to all the solutions it had to give mm. all of us. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I love that, how like that deep listening to exact that, that primal divine intelligence that is just constantly giving us information about what it is that we are moving to the solution. This wow. is what I experience uh, with my work and with dreaming, working with our night dreams, but also all of our waking dream images. The intelligence is always pointing us to what it is we are ready to and are capable of resolving next in that wow. moment. Wow. And when we can do it, it's just fantastic. Wow. Mm. Hmm. So you travel the world learning all about 
the pelvis and this deep medicine, and you really have a passion and a connection then to the internal work. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so what does that look like? Like in a, in an experience in a session? I mean, well, I could say it because I've had experience sessions, (laughs) but like, because a lot of people just hearing like in maybe internal vaginal work, it's like, oh, that's not for me, but it's so subtle. And then actually can be so subtle because you're working with the fascia and which is like the connective tissues of the body. And and also you hold quite a, a dreaming space in it as well, um, from my experience. But would you like to say something more about that? Um, yeah, so um, it's really first based on, um, on consent. So I would say that's the first thing that really is... Um, like driving the the session is just first connecting, you know, okay, I know that women, when they book sessions, they book it for that reason, because their mind has said, okay, I want to explore what's going on down there. But sometimes their body is not ready. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the first part is really to just connect them to their, their bodies and just by breathing together and uh, just, seeing the sensations we have in our bodies um, and then opening the space for the body to actually say yes or no and that's something that um, I think it's really vital to any kind of intravaginal work uh, is to make sure that we ask the body as well as the mind mm-hmm. because uh, there's no other space like, I don't know, like, I haven't had this experience, it, whether it be in, like, medical, you know, with the gynecologist, or whether it be even with a partner. You know, there's very few places where you have that, oh, okay, I know that you're into that, but is your body really into that? Can we just take the time to to listen to what it has to say? Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is that most women that I ask that question to you know like we just go okay let's just breathe and feel into your body and feel into first the breasts and then to your abdomen and then to your pelvis what's going on what are the sensations and then can you ask your vulva and can you ask your vagina and can you ask your pelvic tissues in general if it's okay for us to work internally today and the answer I got most of the time is I think that it is a yes Mm-hmm. There's very little, a few of them are telling me, my body is saying yes, because very few of us are actually listening to body language and what body, what bodies are saying. Yeah. It's, it's a language that, that we don't really understand, that we're not taught. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it's, it's, the body speaks in such a easy direct response Mm -hmm. it's not difficult to actually really tune in and listen but we're just not really on the same level we we don't know how to do that right yeah yeah it's it's quite (laughs) for me it's quite astonishing as well actually last year i in in courting desire 
um, my year long program, I had this whole program uh, for a season where we we're going to go into um, sexual activations. But when it started, when the season started, I started with consent and I was really confronted with the lack of deep embodied connection to oh. consent. That actually my whole original idea of what we were going to do was collapsed. And I was like, okay, what is this really? And we went into like sexual foundations, I want to call it, because we spent like a good six weeks just working with consent of, of how, even how I relate to my own self-pleasure. Uh, so many of us at first or, or whatever, relate uh, from a mental space of, of extracting something um, instead of actually being in this deep space of connection. And it's like, oh, maybe just holding my, my vulva from the outside is going to be pleasurable enough right now. And that's actually all my body's available. And if I can listen to that and give space to that over time, what happens? It's yeah. an interesting thing. Yeah, it's it's very potent to be able to, as a practitioner, uh, to be able to really teach and hold that space and questioning of consent, the lives that you're you're affecting, and women that have never even thought to pause and to feel into that. It's really potent. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of women are just starting to cry because, like, I've never asked myself this, but we I've never been asked either. I've this is not something, uh, yeah. So, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's mm. such a it's such a relief to just have that as a foundation for any type of touch, you know. But uh, even more so when um, when it comes from uh, like medical perspective you know that has been taking power you know it was the clergy that was taking the power from women and now it's like the medical field has really taken over that kind of um power of who does the body belongs to somehow it's kind Mm -hmm. of the medical world has this yeah this power over our bodies so having someone from some kind of medical world asking me this i think it's really interesting what response it has into your body what what it does to your body yeah. but asking yourself that question is also very very fundamental and as you say it can take a they see that this is what i'm able to do right now and i can't do more and mm-hmm. respecting that really mm-hmm. and that's um it's really it's really beautiful i i really love yeah i really love what you've just been saying about that foundation it's really amazing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and so say that body is a yes and i feel i'm a yes and we're going to go into into the intravaginal work together what is it that you are uh presencing because i wanted to say like looking for but it's not so much maybe looking for then like what are you presencing that is there what are you opening how did you say oh yeah what are you listening to (laughs) 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 yeah um 
So there's different levels and it depends also on each woman is going to be okay with accessing some levels. And um, it's not like a contest of, oh, you know, I can access that or I can access that. Sometimes it's just like really mechanical. They really are in pain. They really have a lot of tension and we have to solve that. Mm. So uh, I'm just going to be looking into the tissues to see where there's tension because most of the time, you know, we're talking about kegels and we're talking about, you know, this um, this pelvic floor muscles as being weak, mm-hmm. but a muscle that is weak is actually pretty tense. And that's the thing that we don't understand. Um, but imagine that um, uh, you have like, yeah, a weak biceps, you know, like it's going to be a biceps that doesn't have the full range of mobility mm-hmm. and it's going to be either really tense and so it's going to have a very small range of mobility or maybe it's going to be not connecting well with the with your central nervous system and so it's not going to be like sending the right information Um, but oftentimes it is also because there's so much tension in these muscles that uh, the perception we've got of these of these muscles is is not that's actually going on Mm. Um, and so most of the time what i'm doing is just releasing this muscle releasing the fascias releasing like points inside the muscles that are really tense and just giving giving it a little bit of space and because this this area of our bodies is so innervated for really good reasons for the for to give us pleasure but uh it's very very sensitive and so we cannot go in there and start like massaging or at least you know that's not my perspective on the thing mm-hmm. so it's very very gentle inhibition so meaning you just put your finger on the muscle and you wait until it releases the body is really wise and has this ability of um undoing itself and really going towards health it's mm-hmm. always trying to go towards health so when you give that information of it's okay, you can release. I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm gonna just be very gentle and we're just gonna go very slowly. Generally, the reaction is that release into the muscle. And then you have more connection to your nervous to your central nervous system and the muscle can actually um have a better function. So that's like the primary level, it's just mechanical. How do we heal from uh, these muscles that we perceive as weak and that we have disconnection from? Mm. Um, and also having that gentle touch helps our nervous system to reconnect to them as well, because oftentimes that area is medicalized or sexualized, and it's very rare for a woman to have had already gentle um, touch to that area no i mean in the actual field it's a different thing but when you go into like the therapeutic field but uh, a gentle touch that doesn't say oh you are not doing well like that really pathologized the whole area and that just says it's okay let's just take our time just breathe in you know like that also is helpful for some women to reconnect to themselves mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's the first level mm-hmm. and there's a deeper level 
um, that can be accessed by some women, and that's more of a um, energetical level because we've all been in pelvises. We come from pelvises, and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, we've been so true. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we've been carried and um, in 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 those amazing spaces. And you can really see the difference energetically in a woman before she gives birth and after she gives birth. Like the energy of her of her pelvis and intravaginally is going to be completely different. So we actually, uh, when we go through these births, um, we take information as well. Uh, so there's some trans generational information that is being carried in those pelvises. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the stories that is being held in our palaces is uh, information that is often not only our own. It's family history. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we're taking a lot of information on our nervous system all the time and we just uh, store it in our bodies. And our pelvises are huge storage places. And... Um, a lot of that information that sticks there for a really long time, it's information that comes from transgenerational things. Mm-hmm. And so, and that information going into the tissue can also um, be connected to lack of mobility uh, and lack of, of connection to our palaces. So, going in and asking the patient, so, okay, when I'm here, what is it that comes up for you? Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any ideas? Do you have any, like, like visual? do you visualize anything? Is there anything that comes up? And oftentimes they will say, if they have that connection, they will ha- they will say, oh yeah, this is, I, I have this image or I have, I see that person or, and I also connect with that and see what I feel is going on and I can orient them a little bit uh, depending on, yeah, depending on the patient, obviously. Um, and so we can really have that conversation and of releasing also all this information that needs to be released that doesn't belong in our bodies. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. <sighs> Releasing all the information that doesn't belong in our bodies, and yet we've been holding it and storing it. And I feel like the bigger the hips, the more we're holding, <laughs> the more space there is. No, um, and and how I love this because it's getting to the space of where we can play with our conscious choice and the free will that we have. And when we're able to get into the pelvis and into this um, held space, also being witnessed, and as you are holding the space, being able to then really see and experience what's there and then choose again. Like, oh, do I really need to be holding these imprints from my great-grandmother's experience in me? Or can I just honor her by also letting this go and honor her by choosing to live more fully within my own experience and uh, yes this deep ancestral work 
that we are able to do through our bodies is so incredible. So, so, so incredible and potent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's true. It's really honoring them to, to let go of that because they obviously don't want to burden us with whatever happened to them. It's just, um, the way that these things which are not said, which are not talked about, which are not, um, put into the light, they just tend to stay, not all of them, but a lot tend to stay and tend to just be passed down. And, um, yeah, it's, it's so beautiful and it's so, uh, soft and healing to just, uh, really, yeah, let that go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, the, and now currently where we are on the earth, there is such an ability uh, and a quickening of the energy that we're able to move through these things at such a speed and rate that I find so impressive. And yeah, just presencing how we do this work for ourselves, but and also for our ancestors has such a great impact on the lightening of their souls as well as for our children and all future generations, even if they're not our children, but they're our nieces and our nephews or people that we're never going to be meeting in this lifetime because it's no longer going to be in the collective familial dream field, energetic field, if you will. Um, That's the pleasure of being able to move through the, the energetic levels. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, as you say, I, I, I think obviously it goes, you know, like upwards and downwards into generational, but as you mentioned, it's also very much collective as we healing our own connection to our bodies, we're modeling a new way of being into, into our bodies that other women around us and not only our daughters, but you know, people in the streets are just. I don't know, but I think that it really impacts, you know, how we're, uh, how we're being perceived and how we can model that the best we can, um, to change the world little by little. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, definitely. I know it to be true from my own experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure, for yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. And I think also the collective, not only we're healing the collective, but the collective is healing us as well. It goes both ways. Mm-hmm. And, and that sensation of, you know, being witnessed by someone else, but knowing that we're not the only ones doing that work, mm-hmm. knowing that it's a huge network of women who are trying to reclaim their pelvises, trying to reclaim their stories, trying to reclaim what belongs to them and shine is really shining, is making more light for everyone as well so um it's it's interconnected how we as individual are healing it's healing the collective and the collective is healing us as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that beautiful loop I, i just see the infinity sign of of this movement of in and out and left and right and feeding into one and another and well and life goes on. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, and it's not easy, and it's beautiful. It's yeah. both, yeah, yes, and being so comfortable sitting with that paradox of yeah. 
yeah, it's totally not easy sometimes. Um, yeah, this deep presencing and experiencing and moving through these layers and and these these depths and these shadows and these integrations. Um, but at the same time, it is so easy because what else are we, what what else do we really want to be doing? Yeah. <laughs> I always think that I'm like, this is the easiest thing. It's so hard actually to carry it and 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 to make life like so drudging on with this heavy suitcase baggage, you know. Yeah. But when we can choose to, yeah, okay, it's not going to be easy for this window of time, but then the freedom that's coming just after. And if we can track yeah. to that, if we can track to the clear vision of desire yeah. for ourselves and for the world and for all of our sisters and for our men, they they need us in this clear open space. Um, then I find it gets easier at least. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely something I find for myself. Like I find that, you know, this trauma encapsulates in my body so much energy as well, mm-hmm. you know, and releasing those, um, those little capsule one at a time with a lot of love and a lot of care. And it doesn't have to be a bomb. It, it, and that's also something that we think that, you know, doing trauma work is going to be like a really hard thing, mm-hmm. but it's also the fear that we have about it that makes it hard because the actual work is generally very soft and very, um, yeah, very mm-hmm. gentle. Mm-hmm. And that releases also so much energy to, to keep on going. I find, I find that about my life is that, you know, I was much more tired when I was uh, 16 and in India and being so, you know, disconnected from myself than I am now. And my work is only started. I feel like it's such a depth to that embodiment and to that connection to myself. Mm-hmm. I think at 70, I'll be like rocking it, you know, <laughs> really looking forward for that. <laughs> um, because yeah, it's uh, every year I feel like there's more energy and more space. And also there's difficulty. Yeah, life is always going to bring us uh, more opportunities to soften and to grow. And and I love that what you say, because I also feel that so much like, um, well, last year was a really tough year, Uh, lots and lots of movement. But now today where I'm sitting, I feel so much younger than I did 10 months ago. (laughs) I feel so much more alive and vibrant and, and looking back, yeah, my life has just been like that since, since childhood in some ways. And then I have, um, my beautiful, uh, dreaming teacher, Catherine, who's on episode uh, number, I think 48, I'll link it into the notes, but she's in her seventies and I've been training with her for almost a decade. And every year I see this woman become more beautiful, more vibrant, more jovial. I'm just like, yes, that's where we're going. People. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Open it up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. We have touched on a lot of deep medicine. And I feel like there's so much more I want to cover with you that I'm already planning. When can I invite you back to the podcast? (laughs) Um, But I just want to be able to yeah, wrap up our episode for now. So we give lots of spaciousness to everyone to digest this. Um, But before we do, I just had like one other question that popped into my field the other day from your opinion. Do you notice a difference? Um, 
So my, my embodiment mentoring and, and my embodiment classes that I give, it's not a classical yoga experience. It's um, really feminine orientated and it's incorporating uh, many different feminine practices, right? And I, and uh, so my question for you is, do you see practically a difference in the pelvic floor uh, orientation, the tension, the holding between uh, classic yoga practitioners? Is there generally a bigger tension there than, um, the question was really, is there, do you notice a difference between uh, someone that practices classical yoga versus a dancer of some sort, a different level yeah. of fluidity? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. And, mm. but first of all, the pelvic floor is a great way of taking your temperature. Like, mm. you know, it's like, um, uh, I go and see my own, uh, like therapist on pelvic floor and uh i can tell like when i'm you know but it goes like uh not in short periods like if you're not feeling good that day it's not going to show up so much but on the long term on the long term basis you can really feel someone's pelvic floor and be like oh, okay what's her level of vitality it really really shows mm. is uh you know it's the same as being like it's like you have this diaphragm in your body it is a diaphragm it's the same as your um thoracic diaphragm uh, and it's like you can actually feel it from the inside and you can actually test it and you can be like, oh, okay, this is the level of vitality that I have. So it will like uh, change over time and it will change over the periods of your life and what's going on in your life. So um, all this uh, capacity of uh, like this amplitude and the, the, the movement that you have in your pelvic floor will definitely be different over time. But um, it is true that uh, this bandha that you do in yoga is can be uh i think it's maybe made for male anatomy i'm not quite sure it is I, yeah 100 it is <laughs> i'm good at yoga i do a bit but i'm not like a yeah. I, at my own pace so i'm um so this bandha is actually not uh really interesting for us um I think most women think that they have weak pelvic floors, but they have pelvic floors that are um, really too tight or that have some some areas that are too tight and that they cannot control it the best way they can. But I've seen that definitely dancers and sometimes um, yoga people who are doing more vinyasa or ashtanga, uh, more movement-based yoga and not holding like tension yoga, mm -hmm. um, have pelvic floors that are a lot more uh, but it still depends on the person i would say um and again you know some of us are have a lot of collagen and some of us have a lot of elastin and that's also depending on our mental states and everything but it goes further it's really into our genes as well so um yeah so i would say Yes, definitely. This Mula Banda thing, uh, where did we get the idea from? <laughs> like, is this yoga, um, like, again, is it because it's in a, in a, in a world where the male um, body and the male spiritual path and the male is the only model that we have, it's the only map we have, so we've just decided to follow that? Is that a really good idea for our bodies? Mm -hmm. um, 
is there something I, I believe there is another way. I believe that there's our bodies are needing different ways. And I know that as like on a, you know, on an absolute level, we're all the same. We're just humans and we're just souls and we're just, you know, this longing to connect and that's all the same. But on a reality level and on an earthly level, we're into these bodies that are, um, that react differently and we've been conditioned into these bodies as well. So mm. we have maybe some other solutions to bring into this big mystery that is life. And I think we have a lot to give as women and we have a lot that comes from this deep wisdom of our bodies and of our pelvises. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Let's 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 go on and, you know, like train more into women yoga and women practices because I think that's a, a real, real solution for bigger than just our bodies, because our bodies are the earth and the earth is our body as well. So like, you know, um it's 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 uh yeah, we're healing depth here. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. That feels so good and and full and rich. And I just want to invite you, Orhili, is there anything else that is here right now that you would like to presence before we wrap up? Um, mm. No, I just want to thank you. And I remember the first time we met and I was like, Wait a second. Your pelvic floor is not what I see normally. What's going on? <laughs> What's your magic like? You know, so it does work. Like what I'm, what what you're doing mm-hmm. is actually showing because we didn't know each other. I had no clue who you were, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember being like, ah, "No, this 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 is not the norm. Like this is magical thing going on." <laughs> and then you explained, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that starts to make sense." But still, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. whatever you're doing is working and people can trust you <laughs> because your body is really having the sign of, uh, um, of this uh, of this connection and of this really um, strong um, vitality. Yeah. Mm, thank you so much for revealing that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean no, to. No, it's perfect. I And it was funny because after our first session as well, I remember I did a Facebook live in my Facebook group and I was like, I just had this amazing session with this beautiful woman and she was shocked at my vitality. And it made your me- vagina. No, my vagina. It was- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I was like, and, and it touched me deeply and then also made me feel feel all kinds of emotions because I was like, this should not be the case. Beautiful women like this should not be shocking to uh, a woman that specializes in pelvic floor anatomy and touch and all these things. Like I want this for everybody. And so let's get get on with it. And and you have so many different pathways of, of getting in contact and and getting to work with you. So I would love for you to tell us like, where are the best ways for us to connect? Okay. And I'll be putting links where this is going. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're in Belgium, you can come and uh, see me at my own practice. So that's Osteonatal Portal. And and, um, if you are remote, 
and speak French because I teach in French. Um, my sister and I, my sister is a psychologist specialized in trauma. She's been working uh, with the Médecins Sans Frontières, so Doctors Without Borders, for a really long time into um, healing sexual trauma in war zone. And so she's been really specializing with that. She's also um, been training with shamans in uh, in uh, South America. And uh, so we're opening this program called Gyne Ecology. So mainly the main term is on the ecology, um, sensoriel in French. And it's really about re reclaiming our palaces, but very, very, um, it's little by little. It's a very progressive way of reworking um, that connection uh, online. So that's mm-hmm. where French speaking, unfortunately, we don't have any programs in English. Um, but if you do have any questions or if you do want to work remotely, um, we could figure that out and you can uh, uh, connect with me through my Facebook page and um, Aurélie's school. I think that's the, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link as well. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Mm. Aurélie, thank you so much for being here and for doing all the beautiful things that you do. And we're definitely going to have more of a conversation with some other of your magic. But I, yes, I really honor you and I'm so grateful. Mm. When I really, really am grateful that you had me on here and um, keep on doing your good work. It works. (laughs) (laughs) You too. (laughs) All right. Until next time, I'm Lindsay Curtis. And thank you for listening to Her Return the Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's exploration, please take a moment and write a review for the podcast wherever you are listening. Written reviews really support getting more listeners to this content, as well as booking more powerfully inspiring guests. And if you're ready to dive into your own creativity and embodying more of your soul's goodness and living your desires, then head over onto my website at www.herreturn.com and sign up for my email list to be informed of upcoming opportunities. May you return home to yourself today.